one of your Earth emotions. Glad I found you. Let's get married. Delete the wife. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Deep Space Love, the Star Trek podcast where a married couple explore love in all its forms throughout the final frontier. I'm Nicole, one of your hosts. I'm Joe, your other host. Thank you for coming back for our third episode. Um, this will be June. It seems like we're getting them in right at the end of the month, <laughs> just in time, right, Joe? Right. Yeah, this will be yeah another one cutting it close, just at the end. But a little bit better than last month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're a little bit more on top of it. We tried. How are you doing? I ask as if we don't live together. I'm good. It's uh, We finally got some rain up here in Minnesota, which was nice. Yes, I also saw the rain. It does feel very nice. <laughs> it's been pretty hot up here uh, comparatively um, to history, I suppose, at this time of year. Usually we don't get our big heat wave until late July, August, but um, it's been pretty scorching up here lately, many days in a row without any precipitation at all. Yeah, so the rain's pretty welcome. And yep, we're going to be typical Minnesotan like that and just chat about the weather create small talk about the weather <laughs> yeah yeah even though we like i said we live together we're just going to chat about the weather yep and we literally experience the same weather all the time <laughs> anyway um so we're excited to dig into some next generation episodes um, featuring captain jean-luc picard we're going to talk about captain's holiday and cupid q-i-p I, or Q-P-I-D. <laughs> Whoops, I totally like jumped ahead. It's okay. Yeah, it's exciting. We're breaking format a little bit. Not just one episode. We're actually talking about two. So a love story that kind of transcends episodes. Back when they did those episodic things, that's kind of a big deal, right? Especially during that era. Yeah, there wasn't as much um, serialized storytelling and bigger arcs. And so having a uh, returning guest like this was exciting. Yeah, a recurring character. Um, uh a sort of romantic interest for for Captain Picard, play, uh, the character's Vash we'll be talking about. Yes. Played by Jennifer Hetrick. Yes. Um, so these two episodes are pretty fun ones to talk about. They're overall um, relatively low stakes compared to some of the episodes, but they're kind of fun ones. And I think we'll get into, we probably have some disagreements on how fun we think they are. Yeah, but, we haven't uh, discussed much no, before this, no, so no. I kept my thoughts to myself. So we'll see how this pans out. Yeah, so... Uh, Shall we uh, Shall we dig into it? Yeah, do you want to give... So the first one is Captain's Holiday. That comes first. Do you want to give a quick synopsis on Captain's Holiday? I would love nothing more than to give a quick <laughs> synopsis on Captain's Holiday. So Captain's Holiday is a TNG episode from season three, and it's episode 19. Um, getting away from it all on the tropical resort of Riza. Picard is rudely interrupted by a security team from the 27th century, 300 years in the future, who enlist him in their search for a missing secret weapon. That is that doesn't even mention Vosh at all. No, it's pretty rude. It's, it's Google, so you can send your letters to them. <laughs> um, should we? Uh, so I'll, I'll stick with that one synopsis. We'll d- discuss a little bit about this episode, then we'll move to the next one, Cupid. But uh, just for those of you who are listening... And you haven't watched these episodes in either a long time or you haven't ever watched them, go sit down, grab Netflix or Paramount Plus or your Blu rays or a DVD if you're somebody who has a DVD of these and watch uh, season three, episode 19, Captain's Holiday, and also watch season four, episode 20, Cupid. And then come back here and then, pa- and then come to the spot where you just paused. Welcome back. Let's continue on. Gosh, that's so corny. No, it's, it's, it's awesome. Okay. So uh, anyway, what did you think of the episode, Nicole? So I think rewatching it more recently, I had different thoughts than I think when we first watched it. Um, At face value, it's a pretty fun episode because we see Captain Picard so out of his element. And like you said, it's also low stakes. Um, But upon rewatch, I didn't like it as much. I think it's kind of subpar it's only okay (laughs) um on on, on a grander scale um and i i I guess i'll go go into it i mean it's it's i think it's remembered as fun because again like seeing captain picard out of his sort of natural habitat and his natural um how we typically see him you know kind of i mean except he's he's playing who he is except he's 
you know, his his costume or his dress is much different than, you know, the the buttoned up formal uniform we always see him in. Oh, the outfits are a highlight. <laughs> yes, maybe to maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, yeah, like how opposite they made Picard, you know, on Riza. And even like Riza isn't necessarily his idea of like a fun, relaxing vacation. And it's kind of like when we first start the episode, I people have different ideas of like vacation and relaxation, I would argue. And so I think his crew, I mean, and it's all kind of in good fun and in jest, but, you know, even when they're like, you should take a break, um, you seem stressed out, um, go do something just for you. He throws out some options that sound appealing to him and everyone around him is shooting down his ideas. They're like, that's, you know, you're, that's you thinking too much or that doesn't, that's not like turning off or, you know, they have all their own reasons for why they don't think his ideas or suggestions of ways he might relax are, are not fitting of what they think he should do. It almost seems like there's this huge conspiracy to get, and probably led by Riker (laughs) based on how it goes to get, to get Picard to go to Riza. Um, uh, specifically almost. It almost seems like that's sort of like where they wanted him to go. And I, I think, I don't know. Yeah. I love the TNG cast um, or, you know, like the, the characters and stuff, but I was like, I don't know. Again, it's played for laughs, but I feel like looking at it now and sort of like the growth that I've had um, becoming an adult over the past few years, I feel that it's not great for friends to do that or friends or family to do that and be like no you should do it the way I think you should do it like people can spend their me time however they want so I don't know that was something that stuck out to me and wasn't really my also there's this undercurrent of Picard getting laid like especially because you know they're kind of like oh Riza's right there like go to Riza like it's we should probably tell people if if you're not if 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 you didn't take that opportunity to pause and watch the episodes what Riza is okay do you want to give a little Okay. Yeah, so Risa, this is actually the first episode that introduces Risa, which is kind of comes back throughout different epi- different series in Deep Space Nine and, and Enterprise, as mentioned in other ones. But uh, it's a it's basically a pleasure planet. It's a planet within the Federation that's known as just this kind of hot vacation spot where their kind of culture is centered around um, the beach life. Yeah, almost like hedonism in a sense, like just having a good time mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, strong sexual vibes. Strong, too. strong sexual vibes. There's like a um, Lots Nothing of, wrong with that. No, it's totally like, it seems like everyone, Riker likes it. Riker yes. loves Risa and that's <laughs> Riker great. Riker loves Risa. He wants Picard to love it, but Picard's not all about that life. And so, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like Picard was throwing out the idea of a conference that he wanted to attend and, and everyone's like, no, that's thinking. Don't, don't do that on your vacation, which also, yeah, looking back doesn't seem very fair because especially like, especially knowing conferences, conferences could be a lot of fun. I've had very good times at conferences. Yeah. So not totally not fair, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, you know, and just sometimes people aren't like into, yeah, necessarily the like tropical vibe. Um, everyone, again, skimpy clothing, like for most of the, for a good portion of the episode, Picard is wearing when he's not like, once we get in later, when they go on the little archaeological quest that they go on, uh, he's wearing this like shirt that does have buttons, it appears, but it's unbuttoned and he's wearing essentially a speedo beneath that and, I think the shirt is asymmetrical, which is just this weird way to make it seem space-like. Totally unnecessary, but it's, I realize that it's iconic <laughs> in its own sense, I suppose. Um, also, when we get into later in the episode, once we meet Vosh and the Ferengi Sovak that is, uh, she's kind of involved with um, as far as the pursuit of the artifact they're looking for, the Ferengi misogyny is on full display. Yeah, hard. Yep. Yeah, hard. Yep. Um, the nice thing about the Ferengi there, though, is I feel like seasons one and two set up the Ferengi to be these villains. And I think at this point, they were starting to realize that they're more ridiculous than threatening. And and to the credit of uh, what's his name? Max Groden, Grodenschik. Did I say it right? I'm not sure he said it right, but we know. apologize. We apologize to advance. Sorry, Max. Um, but to the credit of the actor there who plays Rom in Deep Space Nine later on, he like he plays up the ridiculousness of the character a lot better makes him less threatening and more just kind of annoying <laughs> i think that's intentional but yeah. again the writing is the writing of the Frankie characters is really really one note and poor um but so 
let's go into like the mystery at hand. So Picard's struggling to relax. He doesn't, he wants to relax. He wants to uh, read his books in peace, but everyone wants to like, you know, have him do fun things. And he's like, no, don't, I don't want to do that. That's not fun for me. But anyway, he gets, uh, he gets kind of caught up with this uh, interesting woman, Vash, who we mentioned in the beginning. And she's searching for uh, the Tox Utat. This is an old artifact, actually not old. It's from the future that was brought back in time into this area and has been researched by various scientists. It's kind of a mythological artifact. Um, and I actually, I wrote down what it does. So Please do tell because there is not much. No, it's not. It's a, it's a quantum phase inhibitor or a device capable of halting all nuclear fusion within a star invented from a by a scientist from the 27th century. So they're all searching for that. And there's all these competing factions. There's the Ferengi, there's Vash. There was a scientist that was apparently uh, researching it, who we learned that Vash kind of stole research from after he died. And there's these two, uh, I don't know what to say about them, odd futury people. They're, 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 they're Vorgons. Um, they're some very, very 90s makeup there and some very odd clothing choices. <laughs> but uh, they're these two aliens that are supposedly from the 27th century trying to steal uh, the, the, the Taktutat for themselves in a sense they're like oh are we history recorded picard getting this thing we're gonna we're gonna take it then um and yeah we don't know what their motives are they say that they would like bring it back to their century to where it belongs but yeah who knows what and they're yeah we really don't really know they just say the 27th century people picard sort of believes them is sort of a little skeptical but i will tell you fun fact i had a toy of those two characters of course you did of those two aliens so Morgans. specific yeah they're i liked it they were kind of cool they have these cool like sparkly i kind of think of them as, as like those uh, reflectors you put on bike tires in their heads mm -hmm. that was kind of fun um yeah but they're weird you know what to contextualize this whole thing it really made me think of dude where's my car oh my god did you steal i told you that no you did not did you yes i told you that i think we were falling asleep so you probably think that was your thought oh, oh you, you implanted it i did i oh, can't I believe you just stole that oh, well then you explain away <laughs> i thought you just totally set that up that's funny um no, i did not no yeah i think after we watched this episode, I think I mumbled to you as we were going to sleep. I was like, those two aliens, like the vibe I got from them, were those the, the, the aliens from Dude, Where's My Car, who show up randomly trying to um, throughout the, the journey in, in that movie to uh, recover the continuum transfunctioner. Um, I 100% remember none of you, none of this when you tell me this. Now, it was in my head totally, though, but you implanted it while I was sleeping. Wow, I'm going to have to remember that I can do that. There's some things I should uh, implant in your brain. Maybe I'm going to roll that back and say that actually didn't happen. I'm just copying. So, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's a safe thing. <laughs> mm. Okay. Okay. So anyway, that's that's sort of the vibe. I, I don't know. They're, they're there randomly when it's convenient for them. And I don't, I don't know. Anyway, that's just setting up like the main characters in this episode. So ultimately what happens is Vash convinces Picard that she knows where the Tox Utat is buried. And she proposes that they go search for it together before Sovak can uh, get the same data that she has and, and find it for himself. So then that's kind of like the bulk of this episode or the main point of this episode is it's them going on their little archaeological quest to recover the Tox Utat. Yeah, it's an archaeology adventure. Archaeology adventure. Yeah. So yeah, basically that's the that's the plot. And throughout it, like Picard kind of realizes that he ends up having a good time because he is more attracted to the idea of adventure. He also geeks out about archaeology a ton. So that was he was all about that. And so he ended up having more fun doing this little adventure than um relaxing and sitting by the poolside or doing all the pleasury stuff that Rice is known for. And so that's kind of the main point of the thing. Um, and it's all, again, it's it's all really low stakes in the grand scheme of Star Trek. Like we never feel like like there's a lot of threat, anything threatening. Like the Ferengi certainly doesn't feel threatening. No. I don't think the future people really do either. In fact, I was like unconvinced they were even from the future for the longest time. I thought they were lying. And, I, and it's they never had really... a fancy transporter effect. Yeah. So they were definitely from the well, future. I guess that's what the episode wants us to think. Mm. I don't know. My, I don't know. I still think that maybe they're not from the future. Okay, so I kind of gave my thoughts on the episode overall, and we've been talking a little bit about the plot and certain details. What are your thoughts overall about the episode? I like it overall. I think that, like you said, there are elements that are definitely problematic, like 
you know, the, the crew not really just letting Picard do what he wants to do. I think it's it was good for them to encourage him to take a break um, because sometimes you need your friends to help you know when it's time to stop. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're like, you got to do it this specific way does kind of suck, uh, kind of shitty. I think that um, I think that the way that Risa is portrayed in generally in general in the back then, especially they're like, this is a really progressive portrayal of sexuality. Um it elements of it don't hold up. I think if that was revisited now in like a discovery episode, they would probably, they would probably show more of it. They'd probably show more of the culture and try to make it, you know, I think just, a, it, it would just be a better portrayal. I just don't, I just think it's kind of succumbs to some nineties, eighties sensibilities of, of what that might've looked like. And it's not great. Um, I like, I like some of the, I just like the world building. I like the creation of rice. I think the concept itself is really good. The, the Horgon bit is really funny. The Horgon is this little statue that if you have displayed while you're sitting around Risa, it means you want to engage in Jahmahran, which is like a, a some sort of mysterious sexual act. We don't know. We but, assume, I suppose. Yeah, but Riker kind of tricked Picard to get a get one of those and and bring it back for him. And so he had he was sitting it out sitting out with it and people were like, Hey, what's up? And he's like, Why is everyone bothering me? And they're like, It's because of the Horgon statue. Um so that's kind of a that's a funny bit. Um I like those things. I like the low stakes archaeology adventure. I actually had a debate with uh, our friend Khalid, um, who does Frankenstein's podcast with me, about the concept of archaeology adventures in general. Because I was really excited for the archaeology elements for some movie. And he's like, why do you want to watch archaeology stuff in a movie? And I'm like, I like archaeology stuff in movies. Has he ever seen Indiana Jones? He is not into Indiana Jones, apparently. So I guess I'm outing Khalid about his Indiana Jones (laughs) thoughts. Sorry, Khalid. Uh, but, um, Hey, I mean, everyone's got their likes. And yeah, designs. exactly. But totally I, fine. I'm totally fine. And I get it. I also think that's, that might be boring for people watching this episode, but I thought it was cool. Um, so I think it's fun. I think it's a fun low stakes episode. If I was guiding somebody who's new to star Trek through star Trek, I'd probably be like, yeah, you could probably skip this mm, one. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a meh for me. A, a meh. Okay. I also wrote this down real quick. So the, dis- the description that the supposed, future aliens the vargons yeah vorgons vorgons whoops i feel like we never hear or see from them again after this anyway when they're describing the talks utah to picard they say that it's a crystal that fits in the palm of the hand and that is it <laughs> nothing else descriptive nothing about even like whether it has a, a a color to it um i mean i guess it fits in the palm of your hand but i mean that is so unspecific i just it just stuck, stuck out to me that like that doesn't make it sound special at all. Anyway, also that little disc that she has the the data on or the information about where to find it. It's just like, do we ever see this tech again? It just seems not like, I don't think we ever see that kind of like data disc in Star Trek ever uh, before so. or afterwards. So I just thought that was funny little like details that I'm just poking fun at <laughs> for the episode. So at the very end of the episode, they actually get the Taksutat and, and Bosch had actually had tricked everybody and had it, but Picard found it out and he ends up beaming it out, but blowing it up while it beams out. So nobody gets it. Um, however, there is some like Star Trek online and like beta canon, like novels that kind of dig that, dig into that further. And I think there's a novel where Q says something like if the Vorgons would have gotten the, the Taksutat, they would have blown them up, trying to blown themselves up, trying to play with it anyway. So it wouldn't have done anything. And I think in the online Star Trek online canon, it implies that it was Picard did trick everybody and actually beamed it up and just made it look like an explosion, which is what I think we both thought originally. Yeah, it's but really it, up to interpretation. Yeah, There's they don't no do follow up. There's anything. <laughs> yeah, is it just a trick or is did he? It seemed like it had beamed out and then like the little like like fireworks happened. Yeah. Not like at the same time. I don't know. And then, so we never know what a transporter code 14 is. That never comes up again. <laughs> no, R- Riker's so. like, um, what? So, sorry, what? <laughs> like, why do you want to? Tra- I don't know. Yeah. It's, again, it's all very silly. Very silly and all very kind of contrived for this like single episode just I, to make it work. I quotes. feel like us <laughs> describing the plot of the episode <laughs> makes me realize how contrived it is. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's pretty simple. And then I'm like, oh, all these like random weird things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird one. Hopefully you watched it before. Otherwise, many, much of that made no sense yeah yeah anyway so i gave it like a kind of like an okay meh ish what would you say would you be there or would you be lower i'd be lower than that Ooh, harsh yeah it's okay okay fair enough though fair should we uh should we hop on over to the cupid side of things let's do it yeah so the other episode in question today is from season four and it's episode 20 uh cupid 
as you spelled earlier, Q-P-I-D. Yep, that's how I spelled it. That's exactly how you said it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the synopsis (laughs) is as follows. The immortal Q returns to fan the flames of romance between Picard and an archaeologist he met while on vacation. Dun, dun, dun. And that is very vague for what happens there, too. Yeah, that gives you Come on, Google. no context. Yeah. So for context for everybody, basically, um, there's a, a an archaeology convention that the Enterprise is hosting. Picard's doing the keynote speech. So there's a lot of cool archaeology geek out sessions in the beginning of this episode. Essentially, Q, Q shows up and Q is pretty pretty much omnipotent and can do what he wants. And he thinks he owes Picard a favor from a previous episode. And Picard doesn't want a favor. Mm-hmm. And Q realizes Picard and Vash have this thing because she's back. Um, she's also doing archaeology things on the Enterprise. Q shows up, realizes they have a fling, and decides to throw them and the crew, our main cast members, into his interpretation of Sherwood Forest into the Robin Hood story where Picard is Robin Hood, Vash is made Marion, and they're supposed to play out the story. Uh, and then there are some surprises along the way. So what do you think of the episode? The archaeology bits. Actually, I didn't remember that much of the episode being that. But actually, I mean, I don't know in how long into the runtime before they are thrown it's into like Sherwood Forest. Episode. Yeah, almost half the episode is um, not just the archaeology stuff, but it sort of sets up. You, you kind of glossed over um, a little bit. Like the reason that Q gets involved is because you can tell that there is some romantic tension between Picard and Vosh. But the thing is, like, they get upset at each other. Or rather, like, Vosh becomes upset at Picard um, because she, you know, she, in the beginning, you know, he finds out that she's attending this um, whatever symposium. I don't remember what it is. Whatever the event is. And so they sort of reconnect. And um, she ultimately, like, she gets a tour of the ship and she's meeting all of Picard's friends and, like, bridge crew you know castmates um or bridge mates whatever um she discovers that i mean it's not even that big of a deal like at least to me i don't know she finds out she's asking all of them whether they've you know basically whether picard told them about their adventure together and their i suppose relationship that began on on risa although it doesn't sound like they stayed in touch really um in the intervening months or year that has supposedly passed. It doesn't sound like they kept in touch, you know, writing or whatever, sending messages to each other. So she shows up and I suppose off screen, maybe while they were on Ryza, he talked about, you know, all of his friends and the rest of his bridge crew. And, you know, so she knows all about them and they don't know who she is and she gets upset about it. She yeah she's she's sort of mad that he didn't talk about her to everyone else yeah yeah and Q hones in on this and thinks that Robin Hood stuff will fix that somehow yeah again yeah. very contrived yeah so at least you have Q making it very contrived yes this time. yeah Q is a fun presence Q can be frustrating but I think in general he's gonna he can make the episode fun what did you think about the episode overall well I don't know, so some of my first impressions I one of the things that is very fun that I I've seen that I found very fun was so I think Vash spends like the she spent the night I think in Picard's quarters yeah and so then they're having breakfast or coffee or whatever in the morning I suppose tea and um I guess Picard forgot that it was like the morning that Beverly would typically come and have breakfast with him and so she rings at the door and he opens the door and there's kind of this awkward like Vash is like oh like he has you have a one of your like female crewmates coming to like visit you in the morning and cause she's not in like her uniform yet. And, um, and then of course Beverly is very bemused to see this other woman sitting in Picard's quarter so early in the morning. So there's this like funny, awkward moment between them. Um, and I don't remember the dialogue between them either, but it's just like, it, it's delicious. I think in like this like dramatic way, and it's very funny. Um, it's so fun because I think I read somewhere that like that scene was written to be a lot shorter, but they just the actors in, in the scene kind of just played it up a lot more. And and it's just so much fun to see Picard, who's just always so confident, sure of himself and like competent as yes. the leader, just being like so uncomfortable in that situation. He's just like, oh, I don't, I don't know what to do here. Oh, yeah, he clearly <laughs> doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And so they start talking and oh, yeah, it's just it was I'm glad they kept that in and that the actors like worked with that and 
you know, or took off with it. Um, also, a little bit later, as Riker is, I don't know, her tour of the ship is broken up by each different like, different crew members, um, you know, taking a part of it. And when Riker is touring her, and maybe it starts in 10 forward or something, but he he's clearly trying to play his flirt game and it just doesn't work at all with her. And it's just so <laughs> right funny away. <laughs> like, right away. Riker being his Rikeriest. <laughs> yeah, his, his flirty <laughs> self and just it's not it's not coming through at all to her or it, it she's ignoring it yeah she i think she's amused by it but is not interested yeah yeah so that's yeah. also very funny um the robin hood stuff you know it's all very fun um which is why i think i think this episode is more fun and memorable than captain's holiday between them i would rewatch this one again as opposed to captain's holiday i know you really love this episode though fucking love this episode <laughs> yeah i love this one so when i was a kid it was this episode and tapestry the one where picard like basically sees his life if he didn't get his heart stabbed were the ones that for some reason i always stuck out to me or i always remembered and this is one of them and it's just so i, I don't know i was a big robin hood fan weirdly I, it didn't carry over to me being an adult <laughs> like i rewatched the little the fox one from disney like a lot so uh, when 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 picard and crew were robin hood i was like oh hell yeah this is my jam mm-hmm I recognize now that there are problems with it and I mean, I will get into those, but I still had just a blast watching it, especially because it has so many funny lines and there are just oh, yeah. so many funny moments with, I am with not the, a merry man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I protest. I am not a merry man. And I just love the outfits. They're absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like the colorful one that Jordy wears and Worf and his like red tights. Also Dana's like Dana's whatever wig he's wearing. Outfit. <laughs> so funny. And I love like, <laughs> I'll, just how like frustrated Worf is the entire time is really funny to me because like right away they're just like trying to figure out what's happening and then somebody rides up in a horse and Worf is just like no questions just runs at them sword out starts yeah. fighting <laughs> and he gets cut and he doesn't fight very well yeah. oh I poor mean, he's Worf. a security officer he doesn't right? usually I mean, fight he's... with swords he fights with batless so it's different oh yeah yeah they're very different so weapons. it's totally fair but it's a lot of fun and it's also kind of fun um because Vash is supposed to play this like damsel in distress role and she does sort of um, she turns that on its head a little bit. I think that Q expects her to follow the role per- perfectly and she doesn't like at one point, which is really yeah, fun to see Q annoyed. That was great because she was supposed to resist this marriage to the Sir Guy of Gisborne as the uh, story. And she's like, well, if I'm going to die, otherwise I'm going to just gonna do that. She just and Q's like, what? Script, yeah. Yeah. And then like eventually when, when, Picard, as Robin Hood comes to rescue her, she's like, I've got this, like, go away. And like, she pulls the sword on him and lets him get captured so she can kind of keep up her ruse. So that's super fun. I really enjoyed like her flipping the script and being, and also just being kind of, and her annoyance that Picard carries into this and stuff and everything. And um, anyway, of course, like ultimately she, they, they all end up getting captured and the crew has to come to the rescue, which is pretty fun. But uh, yeah, I, I thought, it, I thought it was a good role. I think that it was a nice role for Vosh. I do think, that uh, Dr. Crusher and Troy kind of got the short end of the stick in terms mm. of like getting to do fun stuff in this. Like they had cool outfits, but I was reading an interview that I, that I think Gates McFadden and Marina Sirtis are the only ones of the crew who are actually sword trained in real life. Yet oh they weren't gosh, allowed to actually have a sword. So rude. That's I... ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That's dumb. <gasps> I also read that Riker, not Riker, Jonathan Frakes uh, got like his eye cut open because oh his quarter staff like broken half on set. So, so he was going hard. This was an intense episode. Apparently. <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, ultimately, you know, everything ends up fine. It's like, so it's, it's like a holodeck episode without the holodeck. Like, so they're kind of being like, we can't rely on holodeck for this. So let's do a different thing. But um, it's fun. And again, kind of feels ultimately relatively low stakes by the end of it. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's cool. It's. I don't have much else to say about it. There's not really much you can say about it. It's it's just a silly episode. Fun. Yeah. Fun silly. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, I mean when I don't know, when once in a few minutes when we get dig into the Picard Vosh relationship, um, I feel like there is some interesting things there that um from know. this episode, yeah. 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 Well from both, both of them, yeah. Yeah. So some fun facts just about uh Vosh in general. So she's played, I think I mentioned she's played by Jennifer Hetrick, and I think she mm-hmm. did a great job with the role. Mm-hmm. Like she was having fun with it. I don't know her from much else, so I don't know what else she's been in. It's probably other things, but um I read a quote from Ira Stephen Bear, who was uh working on the episode on the on the series at the time, uh during season three when they made Captain's Holiday. 
and he said, uh, what did he say? He said, quote, people might not realize this, but even Vash was an attempt to bring a ballsy woman who's not your typical Star Trek woman, a clear thinker, both in terms of what she did in her own life and sex and the whole bit, which is an interesting quote. I don't love it because I feel like he's implying that other other Star Trek women aren't great. And I think there are. I think other Star Trek women are sometimes underserved by the writers who are primarily men at that time. I think mm-hmm. almost entirely. Yep. But uh, so I kind of appreciate what he's trying to say. I just feel like it's a clunky quote. Um, but I do think it shows in a sense of what he's trying to say that she's trying to, they're trying to make somebody who can like match wits with Picard, who is not like a subordinate type character who isn't like a typical sort of love interest. Like she is often one step ahead of him. Yeah. I have a, okay. So I think one thing between these two, and I think when I give my rating of their relationship too, I'll go, I'm going to dive into this a little bit more, but um, not only is she maybe like an atypical love interest, at least for the time, but their roles in the relationship are a little bit reversed. So I think we are often used to seeing the, you know, good girl who falls for the bad boy kind mm-hmm. of trope in a way um, or like stereotype or whatever. And this is kind of the other way around. If you think about it, like Picard is, you know, again, very button up you know he's captain of a starship he's got a very important job he is you know he's always almost always very serious and um you know a rule follower um a rule enforcer and all these all these things about him and she is kind of like the bad girl and he you know has a has a fling with has you know kind of falls for um and because she she's she's basically a human ferengi there's no other way i can (laughs) say it um that's i I couldn't help but notice that, especially because we've watched Deep Space Nine and we've gotten a lot more Ferengi culture, uh, at least in our our knowledge of like the series. And so having watched DS9 and gotten to know Ferengi culture really well and then coming back to this, ep- to like the Captain's Holiday episode with Sovac, um, even though like that all wasn't quite fleshed out, like the profit, profit, profit um, mantra is very clear. And she actually kind of, that's kind of what she's all about too. She intended to sell the Tox Utat and that's kind of her thing with archaeology in general is finding uh, artifacts to, to sell to the highest for the highest price. So she's, which, you know, is uh, unethical. Like Picard finds that unethical. And I think most people would, you know, especially um, she often wants to go where she's not allowed in order to find these artifacts um, and sort of offend some of these cultures by trespassing. And so, yeah, she's kind of, she's the bad girl and Picard's the good boy. <laughs> and so it's kind of a flip on that, like good girl falls for the bad boy trope. That's just what I wanted to say. So I think that's also another interesting, uh, aspect or facet to this relationship. Agreed. That's a good point to think about. I also like how she doesn't really fit the star. She's like, you. I mean, all of you, what you're saying, I mean, she doesn't fit the Starfleet mold very well no, at all. She would never. Like, I think at the end of Captain's Holiday, she says something like, you got any place for an archaeologist on your ship? And he's like, I don't think you'd like it. And, I, and that's a great point. And, and also a big way to differentiate her and Picard, like personality wise, is at the end of Cupid, she chooses to go with Q and just have fun and go places that she couldn't normally go. Something Picard would never choose Absolutely to do. Absolutely not. I actually feel like now that you're bringing up how she's like so not Starfleet and kind of describing her character, she kind of reminds me almost a little bit of if she were to be in Starfleet, almost Mariner-esque from Lower Decks. Oh. Like mm-hmm. I could almost see that a little bit where she, because like you said, Ferengi, mm-hmm. like because she has Ferengi friends. Yeah. And like, and how she just knows all these people and like kind of gets into this trouble like on Risa too. But Mariner, here's the thing. I think that Vash is in most things for herself and I don't think that's true about Mariner. Yeah. Ultimately, Mariner wants people to think that, but she isn't. Mm-hmm. So that's why she works with Starfleet. So Vash they'd have a similar attitude, but Vash would be like playing it truth to truth to who she is. Mm, Yeah. So anyway, it just reminded me of that a little bit too, but um, I suppose we could to the love story itself. Yeah. We're kind of, I guess if anyone wants any more information, if they want to move on, like uh, I was going to say a bonus episode you could watch if you wanted to continue on Vash's story. We're not going to discuss it here. We're not going to discuss it because here. Because it doesn't contain Picard. Yeah, but there's a it's a Deep, Deep Space Nine season one, episode seven, which is called Q-less. It's the one Q episode of Deep Space Nine and, and, and Vash is there. And at that point, she's kind of over 
cue, I think. She kind of wants to like do her own thing and separate a little bit. So it's it's a it's a fun kind of continuation of the character. And I feel like um I think Iris Stephen Bear had said he wanted her to become a more major part of Deep Space Nine as a more recurring character and it just never materialized. So I kind of like the idea that they wanted to bring her back and keep her around. It would have been fun. I know she sounds like she's in um some of the books. She's in the DS9 Millennium novels and appears in a few other EU books. Um, I guess I was just reading also that it looks like at some point in one of the books, she becomes like the Borg queen for like a couple of weeks and then Q rescues her and raises her memories from that. So that's a weird thing, but what a tangent. Yeah. Yeah. Odd. So anyway, but w- w- would you have liked to seen her more in the show? A little bit. I think, um, I think as an antagonist, she would be more interesting than a love interest. I mean, I think the small amount of time that she does, uh, you know, spend as, Picard's uh, romantic fling, I think, is interesting. But, um, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to... I mean, we'll go into it when I talk about my rating, but I wouldn't have wanted to see that fleshed out anymore. I think, like, it was what it was. Um, But as a character, you know, the actor does a really great job and she is very interesting, like we're talking about, very non-Starfleet, but not really, like, a foe, but just an antagonist kind mm-hmm. of role could have been really cool. Like a step down, almost step down from Q, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, without the omnipotence. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, especially on Deep Space Nine, I could have seen that happen. Like, Bajor seems to have a lot of, you know, cultural, um, historical significant sites. Um, I'm sure plenty of artifacts that they could have made up for the show um, that she, you know, they could have been a constant antagonist. Um, and also, you know... In, the differences between Picard and Cisco would have been fun to see like Cisco having to deal with her. Oh yeah. You know, off and on, um, with Bajor, Bajor and stuff, but. Bashir um, would have totally flirted with her. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, it would have, that would have been yeah. probably annoying at first. I think he did in that episode. I think he, he did. Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's right up his alley. I'm sure. <laughs> kind of going off what you're saying with like kind of being almost more antagonistic. Um, the, the actress, so Jennifer Hetrick did describe her role in, and both the quotes I had were from, uh, a, unauthorized guide to the new voyages. I think it's called Captain. Yeah, Captain's Log Supplemental. But she said, quote, I just used my own imagination and what I know of myself and found her a very adventurous and conniving to a degree, mm-hmm. but also vulnerable and committed. And oh, I, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, a kind of a good way. Like she is she's she's kind of ruthless when she's trying to get what she wants, but she is like she is vulnerable. She has her weak spots and she and, wants you to commit. <laughs> yeah, she wants you to commit um to a sense to, to yeah. a degree she wants her her freedom too but she wants like to know that you're there when she comes back yeah yeah so yeah that's something oh no i guess it's a good segue R- romance <laughs> yeah let's get right. the romance of it all what's love got to do with it mm-hmm. are you gonna sing it i will not sing i mean i'm not gonna do it either what's love got to do, got to do with it all right what do you think are you gonna are we gonna go on the rating system let's do it should we describe the rating system again at this point, I'm just going to point you to one of our first two episodes, if you'd like. Maybe um, I'll, I'll list it out in the notes from now on. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think we need to really describe them. So going from bottom to top, red alert, yellow alert, fascinating, fully functional, and resistance is futile. So how would you rate the relationship between Jean-Luc Picard and Vash on our patent rating scale. I thought about this quite a bit. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to be, if you're going to want, I'm curious your reaction. I'm going to give it a red alert. Oh, what? <laughs> I knew you were going to be you. That would be your reaction. You didn't get the parasite one a red alert. <laughs> well, no. Okay. Um, whatever. Okay, All right. Go, on. Whatever. go ahead. Make your, make your case. It was it was a close call. I was trying to figure out between yellow alert and red alert. Um, and while I don't think that there was any, like no one was being harmed or abused really. However, I think she has the potential to be kind of harmful. Um, so I feel like, especially on her part, a lot of half truths, deception, but also insecure. Um, and I think that that's not really a good recipe for beginning like a trustworthy, respected like relationship, um, especially one that like the type of relationship I think Picard would want. Um, and I, I just don't know where you go from there. I mean, I don't know how many true things she told him like throughout their relationship. Um, and so I, 
Yeah, that's that was kind of the main the main reason I think. Um, and it, just because they're such polar opposites, I think they were only ever the two characters together were only ever going to be good for for such a thing, you know, uh, a brief archaeology adventure, and I guess a run through the Sherwood Forest. <laughs> but um, like if Picard had wanted to pursue it, I mean, I just feel like I would have, as his friend, I would have just been like, no, no, don't do it. You know, she's. She's got a lot of um, self-interest and will lie and be deceptive in order to in order to reach it. So I mean, I'm surprised she didn't even confide in him that she had found the toxic Utah already. She led him all the way and she was going to just leave Riza and be like, peace out. It was great to see you. You know, I mean, I think she I think there was a mutual attraction there, but I think that was it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that. Uh, that point where she was about to ditch on Risa is she didn't feel like this was a relationship she wanted to come back to, but after Picard, like figuring her out a little bit, she had gained, she kind of gained some more respect. And from that point on, I feel like there was more of like, she still had secrets, but there was less, there, it was a little bit, I think they understood each other a little bit more there. Yeah. But the irony, you know, she didn't, you know, all the, the whole deception leading him around on Risa and then, you know, the next time we see her in Cupid, she is incredibly offended that he didn't mention um, their adventure and, and her at all to to his his crewmates. And even like, I think Beverly's probably one of the first people to say, well, he's a really private man, you know, I mean, and so she doesn't even, you know, but yet she continues to be like, well, did he talk about me to you? Do you do you did you have you heard of me like this, like insecurity, like, you know, she 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 wasn't honest with him at all and then she was like well why didn't you like you know tell everybody about me like you you didn't say much of yeah i don't know it's just a bit ironic in my opinion like i think she's a cool character and i think again like i think it was really cool to have the you know good girl bad boy become good man bad woman kind of vibe um or switch i think that was really cool but ultimately i think like the relationship could never have worked Whereas in the Parasite episode, the last episode, I feel like those two could have possibly worked some stuff out. I think that they had the, like a potential to, whereas I didn't think that with these two. Anyway, that, that's my rating. I'm sticking to it. So I'm very curious to hear what you have to say, because yeah. clearly you did not uh, rate it the same. I did not. I did not rate it the same. I, this one, I will say, threw me through a little bit of a loop because I had to re-examine my thought of what I thought um, a quote-unquote good relationship is. Like, I, I feel like I kept thinking in my head, but like, oh, it's not going to last. I can't last. And I had to, I started rethinking like, it's, it's not, what's that? Um, I feel like I'm thinking of the vision quote from Avengers Age of Ultron. Something's not beautiful because it lasts. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I'm, okay. Um, but I was thinking of like, a good relationship doesn't have to mean that it's something that lasts. And so I had to rethink of this whole thing in a different way. Like it, it, it doesn't mean I was thinking of it in a very monogamous sense. So my rating, I'm going to give it a fascinating. Fascinating. I actually guess that's what you're uh-huh. going to give it. Yeah. I'm not I, surprised I at had, all. I had wavered. I thought yellow alert at first, but then I was thinking again, it's like, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the relationship that you have where you aren't really steady going steady as some might, might say back in the day. You don't have to do that. You can, you can meet up, have an adventure, hook up a couple times, and then leave. And that's totally cool. That's to, that's totally fine. I do recognize there are a lot of problematic, problematic elements where there is like, and I and I, I chalk a little bit up to the to the writing sensibilities where there where monogamy was kind of the norm, and it's not they would never think otherwise. So they were kind of they they added these jealousy components as I think in the writing of the episodes. That stuff sucks. Don't love that. Um, but I like the idea. I'd like actually kind of think it would have been fun if Picard, almost like every season, Picard would just meet up with her. They'd have an adventure. There could be a little bit of drama here and there, but it'd be fun. I, I don't think that they would have been the type to get married and settle down. But I don't think I don't think Bosch is that. I don't think Picard's that either, as we've seen. Touche. Like he's not the person who wants to settle down, and and so like that almost is kind of the perfect setup for him if he wants that sort of companion in a loving and kind of a, a lover sense. Oh, God, I'm bringing that again. back. I'm bringing that back. Yeah. I see what you're saying about yeah. monogamy does not need to be or marriage or long-term commitment does not need to be the goal in a relationship. I totally agree. Um, I think the problem for me was her deceptive uh, nature and yeah, not telling the truth and 
you know, about some things. And I, I, I don't know. I I'm, think that lying, no matter what kind of relationship you have, is, uh, you don't know, you shouldn't have a relationship based on lies, whether it's a one night, well, I don't know, one night stand, but, you know, the occasional fling or, I don't know. It's true. Yeah. I think that, like I said, there's definitely problematic elements to it. I think that, um, as we go throughout these two episodes, I feel like their, their understanding of who each other are gets better where like Picard can kind of tell when she's lying. He like knows he's like, you're up to something. What is it? Mm-hmm. And that's not great. That's not a great for a thing for a relationship. Um, it does feel like that element is almost part of their flirtations into some capacity. So there's that. Um, but I, I think my fascinating rating is a bit of an optimistic fascinating in that I think if they were to have brought her back continually, I feel like that would have been a point in the relationship that would have been like a growth area that we would have seen become more um, more shaped as we go along. And he does know what he's getting into. I will say that. So, yeah. I mean, again, I did waver between red alert and yellow alert, I guess. Um, I don't know. I almost want to go in between and say orange. <laughs> um, <laughs> orange alert? What? I know it's not a thing. I'm just saying. I just kind of want to go in between red al- and yellow. What would orange alert be on a starship? I don't know, honestly. I don't know, maybe like something like a smelly thing. <laughs> maybe know. it's just like poison. Maybe. Or fi- fire. I feel like that'd be green. I don't know, because like red alert is just, I don't know. Mr. Yuck sticker is green. No, that's orange. Are Mr. Yuck stickers green or orange? I'm getting they off were topic. Green. They're green. Um, I just Sorry. Don't remember that. But also, because he does, at one point in Captain's Holiday, it's like right as they're about to like snuggle or whatever, hook up under the stars. Um, like I knew you were trouble, you know, when I first saw you or something, which is very funny to me now, because now all I can think of is the Taylor Swift song. I knew you were trouble when you walked <laughs> in and now I'm going to picture Picard singing that in his head. Picard jams to Taylor Swift. He probably does. I bet he does. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the line exactly. Um, you know, so it, there is that now that you're kind of explaining your stuff, like your thoughts, I can see how. Picard's not buying into everything that she says. Like he knows what he's up against. And so he, he plays the game with her a little bit. So like, yeah, there's not really, I mean, he knows he's like, she's being deceptive, but he doesn't feel betrayed or deceived. So yeah, I can kind of see how that's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not very, it's not as harmful as I was originally thinking. I just was so surprised again, like watching, rewatching these, how, yeah, just kind of, I just feel like she has a lot of toxic behaviors and I think that's what <laughs> sort of um, I think like her part of the relationship made me go red alert. But now that we're kind of talking about Picard and sort of the interplay between them, I'm like, yeah, he knew what he was dealing with. So part of part of me is like, well, maybe it wasn't so bad because he was, again, like kind of matching those wits with her. But yeah, it's a good um, point. I, I mean- love how we both started about like maybe yellow alert. We almost were on the same page and then we diverted completely. <laughs> probably the best rating would probably be a yellow alert. I think we we're both we both just decided to go a little bit more with yeah. our gut. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I mean, we really don't see Picard in a lot of relationships, though. True. Like, so we don't really know what he's like as a romantic partner, which sounds weird to say. <laughs> but I mean, we don't see that much. So it's. It, I think it's part of it and why it's fun to talk about is I think it's just that it is such a novelty and that, that and somebody like this character, like the Vosh character pairing up against him is a fun, it's a fun pairing. It's just fun yeah. to watch. Yeah. yeah. Despite the episodes being overly silly. Yeah. But I guess it fits with the vibe of their relationship. Yeah. Overly silly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want to know a fun fact? I do. Apparently, uh, in the Fran- French translation of this, they had to change oh, yes. her name. Did you see that? I did see this, but you can you can go ahead. Okay, well, I took your I took your fun fact. I'm sorry. No, I didn't write it down, so oh. I don't get to have it. Okay, good. So, apparently, in the French translation, the, the the word vache was too similar to the French word for cow. Do you know which word it is? Yeah, it's it's vache. It's literally it's vache. Literally vache. It's spelled differently. It's spelled differently, yeah. But yeah. So they had to change it to to viriad. If I'm pronouncing it right, I'm not sure, but. Yeah, they had to switch it because they didn't want everyone to think that they were saying cow <laughs> over and over again. Why did they name this woman cow? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's yeah. kind of a fun fact. That is very funny. Yeah. I chuckled when I read that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think that was fun. It was some good episodes. Okay episodes, but it was a fun relationship to discuss. Um, mm-hmm. Any final thoughts? No. Watch more Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, especially those that we know that some people listen who don't really watch Star Trek and only listen to this because they think it's fun 
yeah. to listen to us. But we're hoping that maybe we'll break you down and convince you to start watching some Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So and you don't have to do go. In, you don't have to go in order. You can yeah. watch whatever you like. Watch mm-hmm. whichever series seem cool. Joe's got a, a watch list. Yeah, we don't. Know. We're you not can... gatekeepers. We don't even know what gates are. <laughs> so just jump on in. You can just watch the episodes that we suggest along the way. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please. Uh, so as we as we end our episode today, just a reminder to go check out our Twitter. It's DS Love Pod at DS Love Pod. Also, be sure to like, subscribe, and do all that kind of stuff with the podcast itself. Um, and give us a nice rating and a review if you would be so kind. We have, I think, one, and it's from me, so that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, if you if you if you rate us, give us a nice rating. We'll read it out loud, and that'd be kind of fun. So. Uh, consider that folks we'd, we'd greatly appreciate it. that would help us get heard by more um, and just help us uh, help us do more fun things for for the pod mm-hmm. yeah so thanks for listening everybody yeah I'm not sure we have uh, our next episode um, picked out yet so uh, it'll be a mystery you'll have to stay tuned check and watch, the socials watch yeah with Twitter yeah that's pretty much we just have Twitter it's just pretty much Twitter I think that's probably ideal so that or you know, just be surprised the next time you listen, once we drop the next episode. Um, Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, love long and prosper. Bye.